Good morning, everybody. Hi, thanks for uh, being here with us on this Labor Day uh, weekend. And yeah, fall has arrived. And it is my, I love what is called soup weather. Um, and that's when you can make a soup and like not want to die from the heat. But I also don't like soup, the soup weather when it's like negative 100. So there's a very specific soup weather that I like. And this is soup weather. We have, we have arrived, so I'm excited. Friday night, you could hear all of Duluth just get, just get happy again uh, when, the, when the wind shifted. Um, so my name's Tom. I'm the senior pastor here at Eastridge. And we are ending a series today uh, called This Is My Story. And This Is My Story is was what we did kind of all summer um, when Lindsay and I left on sabbatical. I wanted to have a series where a lot of different uh, preachers and speakers could come in and could have some input into, you know, what their story was. It was broad enough that people didn't, you know, have a very specific, no, we're, we're just talking on Romans. You know, it, was, it gave the opportunity for speakers to bring, you know, what their story were. And so we heard from board members, we heard from, you know, Carrie and Emily and Justin, and it was a really kind of a cool way for us to see how the story of God is, is interweaved in the different people's lives. And today, I wanted to finish actually with what the series was built off of, which is kind of a backwards way of doing it, um, because I developed that series primarily off of uh, the book of Hebrews. And there is this kind of fascinating, nearing the end of it, of a, the, the story that he is giving. And in Hebrews 11 is actually called the Hall of Faith. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing is he's just establishing all of these different biblical characters and talking about what they have done and how God used them. And now he's going to kind of wrap up this, uh, this book with some encouragement. Now, it's kind of fun because the book of Hebrews, is, it's near the end of your Bible. It is uh, definitely contested. What I mean by contested, it's uh, when they were putting the Bible together, the New Testament, I should say, specifically, uh, they had a decision to make. What are we going to consider biblical canon? What gets in and what gets out? Because there's a lot of different things moving. There are a lot of different letters moving around at that time. And so the way that it was determined was a pretty simple test. We had to know who the author was, and they had to have seen Jesus. Those two things determine pretty quickly what's in your Bible and what isn't. And there's a lot of fighting. I would have loved to have been in that room just to kind of see the push and pull. Uh, and so, you know, we have, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John saw Jesus. Then we know it was them. Paul, there was some good arguments that none of Paul's books should have been uh, in your New Testament. You know, well, that would cut out. Your New Testament would be very thin if we eliminated Paul. And primarily the reason behind that is, well, we know it's Paul, because Paul's always saying, I, Paul, uh, writing to you, whoever. But did Paul see Jesus? So there's a good argument of, well, he saw the resurrected Christ. He didn't see the, you know, well, so, but they let him in. Now, Hebrews is very contested because we don't know who wrote it. Some people argue very much that it's Paul. Some people argue that it's Luke very much. Some will say it's Apollos. Some will say it's some guy named Steve. We don't know. 
Okay? My personal theory, and if any pastor, anybody like lands hard on this, like this is it, and if you don't believe this, you don't believe the Bible, nobody knows. Okay, so my theory, I think it's Luke. Uh, I think Justin thinks it's Paul. We still like each other. It's not a big deal, okay? Um, I don't think it's Paul because Paul wrote everything. Hi, this is Paul. My name is Paul. Say, hey, Paul. He says Paul all the time in his, in his writing. So I don't think it's Paul. Anyways, that's your nerd moment there. But at the end of this, he's going to weave this, this tale in, and he's going to throw some encouragement because we all have a story. And in your life, you might have a family story. You might have, you know, some good, some bad, some tragic, uh, some that, you know, you think back at that time and you go, I don't know how I survived that part of my story or uh, I don't know how we made it through that part. Some parts of our story are really kind of fun, you know. There's a certain food that is a part of your family story. Like, somehow, Ludafisk is some people's story, right? There's, like, horrifying moments, like, ooh, right? Here's another part of our story, and it's, maybe it's, it's all about, like, where we come from. And, and where we come from and what, uh, where we grew up. So, here's a great one. Did you know, in certain parts, how, how about this, this will be more fun. What do you call carbonated beverage that comes out of a machine? Right? Pop, soda, soft drinks. I call everything Coke. And that's because that's where you're from. And so soda is out west. Pop is up north. Coke is anything south of Kentucky and down. Is where you, where you were raised. Um, how about... Oh, I just clicked the wrong thing. What do you call a thing when you sell a bunch of your items um, out, in, out in your, on your street? Have we got any yard sales? Oh, rummage. All right, here's another one. This is weird. The thing that's in the hallway that you can get a beverage from. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's, in a, it's like in schools. What weirdos are bubblers? Okay. That is specifically like Milwaukee and, and, and uh, New England. It is the weirdest thing. Okay, what are, I don't have them on. Um, tennis shoes. What, I can tell you where Elise is from, even though that I know. Gym shoes is Chicago and Cincinnati. That's it. Tennis shoes, sneakers. Uh, sneakers are New England. Ten everybody calls them tennis shoes because you play so much tennis in them, right? <laughs> but I can tell where you are from based off of your language. I can tell, and it's not, not even accents. I can tell those things by all of a sudden you're going to go, um, how many, <laughs> this is a good one, this is a, this is a tell. How many sil syllables, and I'm going to phrase it, are in the word caramel? <laughs> Tour, caramel, southeast, part of the country. Now, now sauna and sauna is just this weird thing up here. Um, but I can tell that, and that's a part of our story that we don't even know. We don't even know, how, why do I call them tennis shoes? 
Why do I, I call them gym shoes. Well, why, why do I say bubbler for the love of God? You know, or why do I say that's such a specific thing that that's what your family taught you. Those are lightning bugs, not fireflies, right? They are uh, things that you were raised into, born into, and that's a part of the story that you have in your family. Now, we also have this as a part of our story uh, in, in, in our faith life as well. And so that is ingrained into us. We're losing it too quickly. But in Hebrews chapter 12, this is what he's going to say to us today. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What is this great cloud of witnesses? These are the people that have gone before us. In this other term, can be called martyrs? These are, this is coming off of the hall of faith. He's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, David, all of these people that have come before us. We are surrounded by them. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus and not the craziness that's happening all around, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Consider him, for the joy set before him, sorry, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Part of our story is just life will grind you down. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Fix our eyes on the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith because there will be parts of your story that will just crush you. There will be parts of your story that will want you to just, you know what, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, that will just push you down. And he is saying, fix your eyes on Jesus because chaos will happen. We need to not be entangled by our sin. In verse 12, he continues, and he says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance inheritance rights as the oldest son. Go back to verse 14 for me. Make every effort to live in peace and everyone to be holy. Holy and without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So when somebody says that, we should pause for a second and say, okay, what's, what's, what's holiness? You know, what, what does that even mean? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It means holiness, the word means set apart, unique, separate, different. So we should be holy and unique and set apart and not just be exactly like the culture and everything that is around us. Now, this can very quickly become the behavior modification hour where we will say, you know what? Holiness means here's a list of the things you can no longer do. Cool. And sometimes we make all of Christianity behavior modification. In order for you to be a Christian, here's a list that I have created for you. 
Sorry about those pants that you're wearing. Or sorry about, oh, you can't have tattoos. Or, oh, you can't do this anymore. You can't do this. And so we want a really clear and easily digestible list of God. Just give me the list. In reality, holiness and uniqueness comes more not from a list of do's and don'ts, but more of how close you are to Jesus Christ. The closer you are to him, the more you will look like him and act like him. And, and follow him, therefore then you are going to be very unique. Because he is all the exact opposite of what culture and the world looks like. But sometimes a list is just more fun, a little bit easier. So here's what I'm going to, I'm going to do for you. And I've used this before. I'm going to go back to Genesis 2. Okay. This part of your Bible is when everything was perfect. See that? That's when we had it going on, right? Everything was perfect. There was no sin. Then sin is introduced right around here. This part of your Bible is us screwing it up. Is us fighting God, of, of us you know, trying to find our own way, of us desperately trying to, to fix it ourselves. In the book of Exodus is a great example of this. I'm just going to kind of tell the story. It won't be on the screen. So the Israelites are stuck in bondage. They're in slavery. And God sends Moses back to, to set his people free. He hears the cries of his people. And he says, I need, I need to get my chosen people out of there. So they're in Egypt, and Moses comes back, and there's a series of plagues. There's ten of them. Pharaoh will not relent and set his people free, but eventually he does. There's a movie about it. You can watch it. Um, at, he relents, and he says, get these, get these Hebrews out of here. So they get to the edge of the sea, and they're stuck, and, and Pharaoh changes his mind and decides, I, I want them back, actually. So he charges after them with his army, his chariots, and all of that, and now they are literally stuck between the, the, the sea and Pharaoh's army, and God parts the waters, and they walk across. It's one of the greatest miracles of God, and it saves his people. Pharaoh charges in after them. God collapses the waters upon them, drowns the army, and the, and the Hebrew people are finally free from bondage. And they get to the other side, and they start looking at each other and say, yeah, that was cool, but I'm hungry. And they start to complain and grumble. I'm starving. And eventually, they say, it would have been better had we stayed slaves, because at least there I was fed. And we can look back on that and say, ah, that's kind of dumb. You just saw, the, you just saw like, the Red Sea parting and all of that. That's pretty cool. I would give God some, like, hey, thanks for that. Uh, would you mind sending down some food? Rather than saying, I would rather be in slavery. But that's too easy. Because we do that every day. We go back to our bondage, even though we have been set free every day. We return to what is in, in, you know, incarcerating us. We return to our sin, even though we have been provided freedom by God. And that is all of the Bible. So if you don't want to read it, you should. But I just gave you the, the synopsis of God 
tries to woo people back. They say, oh yeah, right, God, I remember God. Then eventually they wander off a little bit. And then God will woo them back and they say, oh yeah, right, God. But then they'll wander off for a little bit until Jesus Christ. So what changes with Jesus? God arrives incarnate in the flesh and is willing to sacrifice himself for all of us. That's a part of our story. But we forget it constantly. Part of our story is that God so loved you, he was willing, he saw what it would cost him and was going to cost him his son, and he said, yeah, they're worth it. But far too often, we're like Esau. Go back to verse 14 for me. I'm sorry, uh, 16. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. That's a story in Genesis as well, where Esau was so hungry and Jacob tricked him. It's a kind of a back and forth between these two. And he says, I am so hungry, I will sell my inheritance for this food. So he gave up everything for something that is temporary, fleeting, fills him for a short time, not the full time. He gave away all of his inheritance. That's a symbol to us that we often give away our inheritance and our birthright for behavior that is not something that will fill us, not something that will give us uh, any longevity. It's temporary. Now, this would be really easy if it was all bad stuff. Here's what I mean. If we could make this like, hey, everybody, here's a list of the things that you can no longer do. Here's a list of, you know, you can't do this, can't smoke, can't drink. And we've tried. We've done all of those things in our past, and we try to make salvation behavior modification. But in reality, what it is is we need to be more Christ-like. And that means ridding ourselves and our lives of pride, lust, greed, all of the list of things that haunt us. But we very often run back to them. So what do we need to do? We need to get as close to God as possible, which means shedding idols. Your life should be a process, and your story should be a process of shedding idols. Now, when I say idol, far too many of us think, cool, I don't have a golden calf in my house that I'm currently worshiping, so um, that's, that's easy. I'm not currently, you know, have a shrine up to something. I don't need to do that. Good. I'm not doing that anyways. In fact, the trick is idols are very often good things that we make ultimate things. They're good things that we have in the wrong order. God gets like fifth. <laughs> Literally, this is, okay, this is about nobody in this room. This is about those other people. I'm not looking at any of us in this room at all. This is those other people in that other place, okay? So we had a meeting this week. And uh, we're talking about this parent meeting for Kids Ridge. We really want all the parents to come and see, you know, how um, cool a program that is and what we're, what we're teaching your kids right now. But then one of us said, 
wins the Vikings game. And we literally had to say, oh, shoot, is it at noon? Because no one will come. We checked, it's at 3 o'clock. So you're good. That's what those other people would do, right? Those other people would choose a good thing over an ultimate thing. The path and the curriculum and what we're teaching your kids about Jesus Christ. Yeah, but Tom, there's a Vikings game on. I don't care what you're teaching them. I mean, the Vikings, right? So we make little decisions like that every day. We make little decisions about... um, (laughs) I'll pick on somebody I trust. (laughs) No, I won't. That's that's too mean. Um, In your head, you don't need to raise your hand, name me five apostles. Okay, name me two Kardashians. Mm, Right? Fleeting, temporary things that are foolish, that are fun. Where are we spending our time? That's hard because I can tell you stats of my... um, my favorite baseball player growing up was Wade Boggs. I know what he hit in 1986. I don't know why that's in there. Okay? Sometimes I forget where the book of Ephesians is as my Bible. Sometimes I have to table of contents it. Do you ever have to do that? We're being real here. So we're making little decisions every day that are adding up into a part of our story that ultimately will be at the end. And at the end, I want to know for sure that I have read Scripture, I've gotten as close to God as possible, and that is my purpose. That's called sanctification. It's becoming more holy, becoming more like Jesus, and not, man, I really loved Bachelor season number six. That was the best one. Whatever the game show for a husband or whatever that is, Those are the things we've chosen to spend our time on, and they're not bad things. Bachelor might be, but they're good things that we've turned into ultimate things. And so a part of our story should be the decisions that we make, are they godly or not? And that's not just stop doing this. It's start doing this. Part of our story is this. Um, they, they, tell, they will tell every addict this. Don't just stop drinking because you have found an addiction. There's a lot of kids, you know, right now that are struggling um, with uh, oral fixation because they've had to wear masks for a couple of years and they're trying to figure out a way to give them something else to do. And so you have to start other things. So if you say, okay, I'm going to stop. Tom said, stop watching The Bachelor. And this isn't an anti-Bachelor thing. But we need to find other things in our lives that are more godly and more holy that we need to start doing as well. And that's where the church has fallen short. Because we're really good at pointing out the bad. We're not really good at celebrating what you are currently doing in your life. And you need to do more of that. So if you have... 15 minutes of of Bible time in your week, 
This isn't a, well, that's shameful. It needs to at least be this. It is awesome. You made a decision there to give God 15 minutes. That's great. It's a great step. Try for 20. Sometimes we build up our prayer life. Okay, you know what? I'm so holy. I pray three hours a day, and I am just so much better than you. That's not fair. Along this journey and along this path, and a part of our story is some people are starting small. We all start small. You don't start running this race and this marathon immediately. Marathons take a little bit of work, right? Sometimes you have to build, you know, start up in a couple hundred feet, right? Like, whoa, I did, I did 300 feet today without dying, right? Great, awesome, you started. Some people work up, they got a mile in, they got five miles in, they get 10 miles in, and eventually they do a half, they feel great about that, then eventually they'll do a full, and that's awesome. But this is what he's saying, make every effort, uh, sorry, uh, later on in verse 28. This is what I'm going to end with today. He says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Verse 28. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything feels shaky right now. Maybe in your life, in the world, in the culture, all of that kind of feels a little shaky. But we, we're different, we're unique, we're holy. We are receiving an entirely different kingdom. And it is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I want to plant my foundation on that, rather than a world that is feeling pretty, pretty brittle and broken right now. My, my life is going to be built off of this unshakable kingdom of God, not the craziness that's happening all around us. So next week... Um, I started writing this series, uh, Losing My Religion, uh, months ago. I've been wanting to preach it and teach it, but I was on a break, so I couldn't do it. Um, I think it's one of the most important teaching series that I put together. I think it is something that we will, um, we need to hear, I need to hear. I've been learning a lot while I'm teaching it, but basically, uh, it's this premise. Sometime... There's not a day that it happened, but a crack appeared in a house's foundation, and somebody just painted over it. Then a little while later, the crack got bigger, they got out the caulk gun and covered it. Now we own the house, and it is leaking, it is breaking, and we have to be the people that will look back and say, I really wish they would have handled this when it was small. But now it's big and it's in front of me. I need to tear the foundation apart. And I need to rebuild it. And that's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of energy. It's going to be a massive headache. But we are seeing in our culture and society all around us the fruits of not fixing the foundation years ago. We have lost our connection to the source of of nutrients and we need to be replanted back on solid rock, not on sand. 
So that's what this is all going to be about next week. So I hope if you want to, uh, please bring some people with you. I think it's cool. It is an REM song, and that is fantastic. I saw them three times. Um, So please join me in prayer as the team comes back up. Lord, I thank you for my friends and family here as uh, we all have a story. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in the church that have gone before us. We are surrounded by people who have raised us. Maybe in my family I have a different saying. Maybe in this church we have different ways of talking about Christ. But this is where we are being poured into. And I thank you for this church. And I thank you for this family of faith and these friends that are around me. So, Lord, this morning, may we commit to setting our eyes on ultimate things and not all of the good things that we could be doing. May we focus our hearts and our minds on Christ Jesus. May we fix our eyes on him. And may we not grow weary. Because we are unique. We are set apart. May we look more like you every day. It's in your name we pray. Amen.